I have a gift for disaster. You seem to have survived it. I don't mean for me. I mean for others. He was found in his flat last night. Dead? Not quite, but he had been badly assaulted. But I assume he'll be all right then. He will never be all right again. I did not set fire to my school. I did not touch the brakes of my father's car. Therefore? Therefore, there must be something else. And was there something else? What else could there be? I made it happen. But you couldn't cause an accident miles away. I made that accident happen. If you say coincidence to me, I will drive my fist through your face. Somewhere deep within what's left of that brain, something is going on. It's grown stronger almost every hour. You know more about that brain than anyone. What is going on? I don't know. I made that school burn. The children, all of them. What am I? How can I will death? Could any of the other incidents Morla felt responsible for be called uh, disasters? Well, yes, one of them could be described that way. Were there any deaths involved? Yes. Listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise and talk about a horror movie and some recently watched. The featured attraction we will certainly spoil. The recently watched, maybe, maybe not. Uh, we'll try not to. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. Find the music on Apple Music or Amazon where you can buy it digitally. And say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon Dash Rays. Uh, that, uh, other than saying that we're not professional critics, that's kind of housekeeping. Uh, the coloring book, I'll mention that. We have a Plan 9 from Outer Space coloring book, which you can find on plan9coloringbook.com. That is plan, the number 9, coloringbook.com. And you can buy it there. I'll send you extra stuff, I promise. And... That, I think, is that. Um, I'm Richard. I'm here with Will and Jolien. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, guys, since we did this last, uh, a lot of things happened last week. I'll, I'll just say briefly, uh, you know, we did have a, uh, a loss where, um, where one of our, one of our pack is no longer with us. Poor thing. And, uh, Jolie and I know you got hit with some work out of nowhere, and uh, it just didn't work out to be a week where we could record. But um, 
good news. I have a very likely uh, uh, interview or, well, guest, I should say, uh, Rudy from Crimson Ghost Mask Room. Hopefully will be joining us tomorrow to record for a bonus episode, which uh, is going to be very interesting for anyone who's ever thought, oh man, those rubber masks are so cool, but you know, they're a little expensive and then you end up not owning any, or you only own one or two of them over the years. This is a guy who collects the vintage ones and has a lot of them and a lot of knowledge about them. Um, you got to wonder where does he find them? Is he named, uh, <laughs> is he named a uh, crimson ghost after the cereal or the misfits? Well, I'm assuming the cereal because he's very knowledgeable about horror. So I would assume that even if he was okay. starting out as a Misfits fan, he probably discovered the cereal shortly after. But um, yeah, that's that's a part. Of, well, I'll show you guys here on camera. The, his logo is um, the, All right. the, crim the Crimson Ghost with Rudy's glasses on because he wears glasses. So... Interesting, interesting dude. He has... Ask him if he's seen Verotica. I can't wait to ask him that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has the uh, the 71 Cuda from... Well, not the same one from Phantasm, but he has one of those. So that's a horror fan, <laughs> if there ever was one. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of me yakking. Uh, since last time... What have you guys watched? Who wants uh, go ahead, Julian. Uh, well, I, seeing as Halloween was coming up, I, I watched a couple of Halloween-themed movies I'd never seen before. Uh, well, um, by watched, I mean mostly. Uh, so I saw uh, Jacko from 1995, uh, directed by Steve Latshaw. Um Executive producer and co-screenwriter is Fred Olin Ray. Uh, John Carradine has a special appearance, uh, which means that he was dead by the time they were filming this. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you see him in a photo, and you see uh, you see clips of him from another movie wearing a cloak, and then they have shots of another guy wearing a cloak from behind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this itself with this uh, pumpkin-headed. Uh, slasher. Uh, no one in the movie refers to him as Jacko, which is uh, which is a little weird. Uh, they will call him like uh, uh, the Pumpkin Man or Mr. Jack. Um, so uh, the Pumpkin Man is released from his grave after eighty years on Halloween night, and uh, he's basically a scarecrow with a jack o' lantern head, and he has claws and he has a scythe. Um, uh, it's pretty poor. Uh, it might be okay to have on uh, TV at a party because um, it's got lots of Halloween imagery in it. Um, mm -hmm. and you've got John Dean. Uh, Cameron Mitchell has my favourite bit. He, he turns ah. up as this uh, horror host. He, he's a horror host named uh, Dr. Cadaver. And uh, I'd, I'd rather be watching that than the, the actual movie. <laughs> uh, that was quite fun. Um, uh, the boy playing uh, the 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 kid in the movie is pretty pretty good, so uh, that that was a plus. Uh, Linnea Quigley's in it, and uh, and shockingly, she has a shower scene. What? Uh, in fact, that's the, for her first. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Linnea Quigley, naked in a movie. Whoa! Uh, Brick Steve, uh, filmed in Florida. 
Um, yeah, I, I made it through this one. Uh, I also watched uh, 1031, which came out 2017. Uh, I think it played festivals. Um, it's, it's an anthology, uh, Sarah and Halloween. Um, I watched the first story. Uh, I, I quite liked, uh, they knew what they were doing with the colours and uh, the choice of location was nice. It was this you know, nice old house and uh, uh, the lighting was good. Um, it, it wasn't scary. The story was okay. But then it had this like uh, really poor jump end <laughs> to it. So I thought, yeah, I've got better things to do. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of gave up on that one. Um, uh, anyway, I've been, uh, I watched a, a Jello called uh, Bloodstained Butterfly, which is on Prime. Uh, this is from 1971, um, directed by uh, Dicio Tassari, uh, stars Helmut Berger and Ida Gali. Uh, it's a, it's a, this one's more of a procedural Jello, and um, uh, Love is taken up with a courtroom scene. Um, uh, the police are intelligent in this one. Usually in, in Jali, the police are like idiots or uh, you know, <laughs> horrible people. <laughs> right. Um, there's, a, there's a bottle of in it. Uh, there's, I like the photography. They use, there's green a lot in the color scheme. Um, there's lots of interesting time toggling, but it's just too sober to be exciting. Um, you only see uh, one murder uh, before the climax. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it, a lot of people find this one quite dull. It, it's not a particularly uh, outlandish one. You know, you're just following the police so they investigate the case, and then you've got this guy who's who's obviously the killer. Um, uh, so that, you know, there's not much of a surprise to that. But uh, um, yeah, it's it a good score. It's all right to watch, I guess. Um, and I binged uh, a couple of TV shows. Watched uh, uh, Pennyworth. Hmm. Uh, this is a, like a offshoot of the uh, Gotham TV show. Oh, okay. Uh, they go even further back, so it's sort of circa 1960 London, uh, where you have uh, Alfred Pennyworth, who's this uh, uh, he's this young guy who's uh, just gotten out of the SAS and uh, he's trying to set up this security uh, organization. Uh, so he's running into all the, these uh, gangsters and, and so on in London. Um, this uses a lot of London mythology and history. Uh, you can recognize people are based off um, like the Cray twins, Jack the Ripper, um, uh, the, the Moors murderers, uh, and, and it uh, also uses music from the, the future, as it were. So it's using music that's from the, you know, that people go into a nightclub and they're playing something from the 90s. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's this kind of mythological London. It's, it looks really good. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's, it's even more right wing than the actual, actual place. There's always, uh, uh, they have gibbets and uh, stocks in the streets. Um, it, wow. they still have capital punishment and it's, uh, it's televised oh, wow. people who are, who are hung in court and uh, drawn on, on you know, live on TV and it's a big 
you know, big uh, evening show. Um, and it's got a really good cast in it. Um, uh, Jack Barman is uh, uh, Alfred. Uh, Jason Fleming. Uh, Felicity Kendall turns up as a witch. Uh, that was delightful. Um, and the, the, uh, the Alfred Pennyworth character, he's, he's partially based off uh, a lot of the Michael Caine characters of uh, you know, the 60s and 70s, oh, okay. uh, especially Alfie, of and uh, uh, oh, oh, I'm blanking on the. Anyways, you know some some of the assassin characters that Michael Caine would would play. Yeah. Um, yeah so I it really enjoyed that one, uh, and also watched uh, the recent uh, Swamp Things series, uh, which came out last year. How is it? Um, wow. They were going to make a. It is is really good looking. The swamp looks great. The actual swamp. Thing looks really good. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's really heavy on the the horror angle of it. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the look of it. It's got a good cast. Um, what happened with that series was uh, just after it premiered, uh, the higher ups decided to cancel it. So uh, they uh, instead of getting a dozen episodes and three seasons, they got ten episodes. To- one season they had to wrap it up in um but uh they did a pretty good job of uh of handling uh tying up with, there's lots of plot threads in it um uh, probably too many to to give you a very strong atmosphere but uh uh it's good looking we quite enjoyed watching that one. so uh, anyway that's what we watched oh wow that's 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 good <laughs> that's a bunch how about you will did you get any good viewing in uh, other than some Star Trek, not really. We did just watch right before the show the first episode of Netflix Barbarians. Um, I don't know that I'll stick with it. It's pretty hokey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I wish, you know, they would write actual people and not just sort of broad cartoony characters that you get. They're the same people that are in Vikings and Last Kingdom and any of these sword and sandal kind of modern sword and sandal shows. Hmm. Um, you know, the Romans are unbelievably bad. Uh, I always thought, you know, why would you want to be a barbarian? Uh, seems like a short, brutish life. I'd much rather live in a city. Um, Maybe they don't know any better. Probably pass. Uh, we tried to watch the first episode of Haunting of Fly Mountain. Uh, Mike Flanagan's latest thing. Um, I wasn't into it. I couldn't get into it. Um, I don't know if it was just me. I wasn't actually actively watching it. Um, I wasn't feeling very well, but I was listening to it, and it has some of the worst British accents I've ever heard. I don't know if they were actually British people or just bad Americans, and maybe I've watched too much British television, but, <laughs> ooh, it was hard to hear. Huh. And that's it for me. Wow. Uh, I watched a lot I more. Go ahead. I don't do much, but uh, I've just not been watching anything. Yeah, I definitely have you guys beat as far as how many things I've watched. Um, 
unless you count episodes of things. But I think where we left off last time, I watched The Shed uh, for the show. And then um, Nightmare Castle, which I don't know if I talked about or not. But uh, that was the one with Barbara Steele uh, from, yeah. I want to say, 64, maybe. Uh, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm probably wrong. But uh, uh, I want to watch it again. I feel like I was kind of in and out of it as far as not being very awake. But um, then we decided to take the plunge and uh, watch that Adam Sandler goofiness on Netflix called Hubie Halloween. It's uh, it's a typical Adam Sandler character where he talks like this the whole time. I don't know why all his characters no. talk like that. But it was silly and it actually caught me off guard and made me laugh a few times. So I will say if your expectations aren't high and, uh, and or you're not very smart, maybe you'll think this is great. But uh, it was it was fun. Um the best part of it, there was a gang of kids that, that were chasing after him that were all wearing scream masks, which I thought was kind of cool in a way, like just a bunch of little like preteen kids that were just mischievous and wearing scream masks. I should say the, the ghost killer, uh, ghost face rather. Uh, I watched Skyman, which was, I was hoping this to be a better abduction thing or, or close encounter kind of a thing. It was all right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say everything. I'm not going to talk about everything I'm listing here, but, uh, that was one I was kind of looking forward to. And it really, as far as, um, alien stuff, uh, I kind of wanted more. So I'll probably end up watching fire in the sky to get the fix on that one. I uh, watched the Medusa touch. Yes. For uh, tonight's episode. And after that, I have watched vampire circus from 1972. <laughs> Um, which is really fun. Oh, it's, it's, um, I'll tell you guys off mic, uh, about an accidental freeze frame when I paused the movie. <laughs> I saw more than I expected to from this movie. Um, the screaming skull. I want to say this is from 64 also. Uh, this is a really dumb, bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, you guys, we have this house for like a week or four days or whatever. It's got a pond. Uh, we've got this here skull and, uh, let's make a movie, a script. Do you guys have a script? Yeah, we'll, we'll write one real quick. <laughs> so it was bad, but it was, you know, atmosphere wise, it was all right. I watched the witch in the window from 2018 uh, this is one that was either on Amazon Prime Video or Shutter. I'm not sure which. Uh, this wasn't. Um, uh, what can bad. I? It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was uh, just sort of there. It wasn't good. It was bad. It was terrible. <laughs> did you Awful watch? Film. Did you watch this one? Yes. Yes, and it pisses me off because I forget its generic title. And then I see it, and I go, oh, and I start it, and then I go, fucking movie, I've seen you four times now. You never get any better. <laughs> well, it, it, it's... I mean, I don't obviously watch it all the way through each time, but, hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't care for it. So here's, here's the biggest problem with the movie is, 
is I could see it failing to launch with some viewers because there's the shitty kid that's constantly talking back to his dad and he's just, he's just awful. And I don't believe him. Uh, the dad and mom have split up. The dad's fixing up a house and it turns out there's something wrong with this place. I want to say that there's about a middle third of the movie where it could do something, but the beginning third of the movie kind of makes you reticent to watch the whole thing. Then you get going on this, oh, there was something wrong with this house and there's a woman who's maybe haunting it. And then the last third of it is just kind of like, it suffers from that Rob Zombie thing of just like, okay, so here's the monster and now you're hanging out with it for the rest of the movie. And it just wasn't, you know, like, I want to, I, I want to say that uh, this could have used some rewriting and some editing and it would have maybe been a, a lot better. I to as a palate cleanser, I watched the 1978 Halloween. Um, I watched Black Coat's Daughter, but things were noisy and it's a very quiet movie. So I had to turn yeah. it. I had to turn it off. I'm going to revisit it. Uh, so I didn't get all the way through it. I watched the 1941 Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. And on a night where I didn't have a lot of time to myself, I watched It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown because that's only like. <laughs> 28 minutes long yeah. and I want to watch it. Oh, you got to see it. Yeah, every year. Speaking uh, of uh, uh, John Carpenter, the book I did the cover for came out about a week ago. Yeah. Excellent. Did you see that? I posted a photo on Facebook because like uh, I got this photo of John Carpenter holding the book up. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. there's a picture of him like signing some of them or something where he's got a bunch of them laid out in front of him. Uh, no, that was, that was something else. Oh, was I it? Asked for yeah, I asked for a signed copy, and they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," as a way to like keep my price down. And, uh, and then when it came round to it, they said, "No, we're not going to do that because if we did it for you, we'd have to do it for everyone, and we're not bothered." You'd have to do it for oh. everyone who who made him a cover. So, so I, I've not been paid. I've not gotten a copy of the book, and I don't have a signed copy. Oh, that sucks. As, as we speak. Huh. All right. Well, we're going to have to uh, send some goons. But it was a, uh, it was, it was certainly a thrill to see uh, the great JC holding something you worked on. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you can sign copies of it. <laughs> we'll just get you a big walrus mustache and a, and a, and a frizzy wig. <laughs> and just be like, yeah, we just won't tell him that you're not him. Uh, other than the, you know, decades age difference. All right, uh, the other two I watched since last time were White Zombie and Blood Quantum. The White Zombie uh, copy, the, the transfer that's on uh, Amazon Prime is so bad it was almost unwatchable. Oh, yeah. It cuts out, like, worse than Zoom. <laughs> I should be getting a Blu-ray soon, so uh, hopefully it'll, they've cleaned it up a lot. I hope so, too. Yeah. The only ones I've seen have been really poor. Yeah, and, and you know, even if they brought in voice actors... If that if that audio is actually missing, then just you know overdub it with someone who sounds close enough. What you know? What else are you gonna do? And then Blood Quantum, uh, uh, Jolie, and you watched this one. Yeah, yeah. That was that was really fun. That was crazy. Yeah, that's, that's different than that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, other than that, I made I made lists for recommended viewing for uh, for Shut In Halloween. We could do that later if you want. I don't know if you still have your list around, Jolien. 
Uh, I don't have it around now. Do you have it memorized? I, I did my quiet ones, so I did like the haunting and uh, Black Coat's Daughter would be a good one. Yeah. Well, we'll come back around to that. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Medusa's the, the Medusa Touch? The Medusa Touch. All right. So this is from uh, 1978. Uh, so like late 70s were a boom time for psychic horror movies. Uh, you had the psychic uh, Carrie, um, and this one you know it's got several things that remind you of the Omen, like uh, Lee Remix in it. Yeah. Um, one of the story arcs is very similar. Uh, climax is at a church, um, but uh, yeah, unlike the other psychic ones, this this one's uh, kind of a slow build, and then it gets these two amazing like climactic. Know, is just ramping up his destruction as it goes through. Um, the concept is that he's this uh, Richard Burton plays this uh, author who's uh, uh, he's he's going to see this uh, analyst played by Lee Remick, and uh, he believes that he's the cause of various disasters that have happened in the course of his life since childhood. So uh, a car suddenly rolls downhill and kills his parents and. Uh, He's abused at a boarding school and it, it catches fire and uh, you know it's an on and on. It just and they get bigger and bigger and uh, he's he's more and more um, uh, misanthropic and uh, uh, he's wondering if he's actually doing God's work in bringing about these disasters on humanity. Um, and uh, he's uh, at the start of the movie he is uh, clubbed almost to death by somebody. And this uh, uh, inspector, who's on an exchange from France, is investigating it. And uh, uh, so over the course of the movie, like uh, Gregory Peck in The Omen, he goes from being this super rational fella to uh, believing in this, uh, that this, uh, this man has these amazing telekinetic powers and he's actually causing these disasters. Um, so... Uh, it, Builds up to this uh, climax at a uh, Minster um, Cathedral, uh, where they're having the. Uh, there's going to be this big fundraising do with all these heads of state and the Queen, and uh, uh, the Richard Burton character has uh, vowed to bring this uh, cathedral down around their heads. They're unworthy heads. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, uh, this was. Uh, his scenes were shot in 77, uh, same year he did Exorcist 2. Um, and then uh, this actually came out in April 78. And then a few months later, you had Patrick, which is an Australian movie, which had a similar idea of a, a fellow who spends the movie in a coma in a hospital bed, but he's got his massive psychic powers and he's actually causing all these things to go on in the outside world. Yeah. Um, so the Medusa Touch uh, was... Directed by Jack Gold, based on a 1973 novel by Peter Van Greenway. Uh, it's got an awesome cast. Uh, uh, apart from ones mentioned, there's uh, Gordon Jackson, Michael Horden, Harry Andrews, Jeremy Brett is in it. Uh, and uh, the, the people you see on the TV who are presenting the show is their actual presenters at the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, this is a movie I watched every time it came on TV when I was a kid. I was, I was fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, looking forward to hearing what uh, you guys thought of it. 
Well, it, it's interesting. Um, I called Will to talk about uh, what time we were going to record and whatnot, and we briefly talked about the movie. And one of the things that we both sort of agreed on is that it there was a certain look to it that kind of felt like made for TV, but not in like the worst way. It, like there, there was something visual and I meant to look and see that any of the people lensing this thing work on television at all. They did. Okay. Yeah, very much so. Okay. So, th- so it had some of that look and it also had the feel of, um, disaster movies of the day. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like disaster movies meet the omen. And then, yeah. and then of course, Will pointed out, yeah, well, then Lee Remick is in it too. So that only helps. Uh, yeah. But those are from the 70s, like the late 70s. Those are good things. You know, you mm-hmm. want things to feel like the omen. You want things to feel like a good disaster movie uh, made for television. If it's in the worst way, then you don't want that. But this looks like good made for television. Yeah. yeah, just a, a tad pedestrian, maybe, and you know, cinematography and whatnot. Yeah, I, I could, I could agree that with that. Yeah, it's a, it is a little, a little pedestrian, and but the, but it's super interesting that um, you didn't see this a lot in in the in the late seventies, where movies were um, being told in part or or largely through a series of flashbacks. That wasn't something you saw all the time. And now you see movies and it's like, here's the thing that's happening. And then it goes three months earlier. And then you got to, <laughs> it's like, come on, why, why three months earlier? Why do we have to jump back in time and then work our way forward? Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I can remember when I was kid being impressed by how they, the, the camera will just pan from a character talking about the past and it just be this continuous pan across the room. And then you have, the Richard Burton character talking is obviously yeah. in the past. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, rather than, you know, it's a very smooth. Everything going wobbly. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a very smooth transition to, you know, like, don't assume we need the doodle doodle doot, doodle doodle doot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the wavy screen, which, you know, that. That that is really cool. It's a, it's a good it's a good tool that not enough people thought to use. Yeah. Uh, the flashback of the parents dying was really crazy because uh, sometimes you'll see not the right car go off the cliff, or the people being thrown with it not looking exactly real as they fall. But the bodies and the car were good. This was a really yeah that like, was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was filmed in Kent, so I was like, I wasn't that far from where that was filmed. Oh wow! So oh, not really. Yeah, it's always kind of thrilling when you set some place familiar and turns up in a movie. Yeah. yeah, it was weird from having lived in Hawaii to see like some stuff that I had seen before I lived there to rewatch things, and the the worst of it is like one of those Elvis movies where it's like, yeah, man, we're gonna head over here, jump in the car. And they're going the wrong direction. You can see landmarks that are, you know, it's like, why are you going past Diamond Head if you're going out to the North Shore? That's the wrong end of the island, you know. But nobody cared. Uh, people who lived there cared, but no one was listening. So, right, right. You know. Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, the, the opening, uh, yeah, the opening sequence of Wayne's World, that movie, 
uh, you see all these landmarks of the Chicago area that are nowhere near each other. Like, mm-hmm. like all those cars skewered on that spire. Uh, that's like out in Berwyn. Well, it's not there anymore, but it was like out in Berwyn or something. And then um, just, it's funny to see that kind of stuff. But yeah, landmarks are great in movies for uh, making you feel like you're actually in the place it's set. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, especially nice if they actually filmed it there. Yeah, that, that coast area is uh, Hearn Bay. Okay. Ken. Okay. Yeah, you can't tell by the weather, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like a nice day. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, so the ESP was a big deal at, at this time. You know, uh, mm-hmm. telekinesis, psychokinesis, ESP. Yeah, a lot of that footage they use, is uh, that was really familiar at the time. You'd see that on TV. Mm-hmm. The Russian experiments. Yeah. Yeah, like it was. You... Yeah, I kept waiting for Yuri Geller to show up. Right. <laughs> I was just about to, to invoke the name of Yuri Geller, too. Uh, you, yeah. yeah, you almost couldn't turn on the TV without him being on some uh, yeah. day, daytime talk show or late night talk show demonstrating his amazing abilities to either bend spoons or what have you. Speaking of which, uh, uh, what's his name? James Randi just recently died. The great debunker. Oh. Yeah, the amazing Randy. Yeah. Oh, he worked with Alice Cooper, right? Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Who was yeah. The, who's the magician who worked with Alice Cooper? Did I believe he? that was Randy. That was Randy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, because he he knew a lot about illusions and and uh, deception because he was such a great debunker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I was uh, I was just a kid when a lot of this was going on, but you would see him pop up on a show and if, if they ever were to pair him up with like Yuri Geller or whatever, it was always like <laughs> game on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see the great Randy. He was an American Canadian magician. Let's see. Uh, let me pull this up here real quick. Uh, yeah. He made it to 92 years old. Yeah. He only died four days ago. Let's see. I want to find the part. Yeah, let's see. It was on the Billion Dollar Babies tour for Alice Cooper. He performed on stage as a mad dentist and as Alice Cooper's <laughs> executioner. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey. He also built several of the stage props, including the guillotine. And uh, there you go. He, he used to do the straitjacket escape. Oh, he did it over Niagara Falls. So super interesting dude. Um, yeah. So... The Amazing Randy, debunker, magician, <laughs> prop builder. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for for the seventies, um, you couldn't go into a bookstore or turn on a television without there being something about ESP or telekinesis. And of course, not surprisingly, Stephen King comes up with Firestarter. You know, uh, he had already come up with the shining you know things about psychic abilities were just Carrie. yeah Carrie, especially that one uh this was really in the imagination of of people this was in the zeitgeist so this movie was just perfect for its time i had not heard of it and was uh, pleasantly surprised yeah, yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't a big hit at all so uh it doesn't get talked about much but uh, i really like it yeah, yeah i enjoyed it uh, this is my, I think my introduction to Richard Burton was, uh, it was 
all at the same time there's uh this film um and then uh he also did the uh, narration for the war of the worlds album oh that was given as a christmas present didn't know that uh, yeah so uh, th- those are my, my first burton experiences oh that's cool and then uh, this would have been the first time I saw uh, Lina Ventura, who is like, he's like this huge star in France. If you've seen French crime movies from the 60s and 70s, he's probably in them. Uh, he's in Tichipau, Grisby, uh, Army of Shadows is a, is a big one. Uh, um, a huge star in France. He's, he's actually Italian. Um, yeah, the first time I saw Lee Remick, uh, I didn't. I wouldn't have known Jeremy Brett at the time. You know, this is like quite a few years before Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. He has quite an impressive head of hair at this this point. <laughs> um, and and it was strange seeing actual TV newscasters on the, you know, in this movie playing newscasters. Yeah. Maybe an edge of verisimilitude. Yeah, um, I imagine as a child that would be. I'm trying to remember what movie that was when I was a kid that was something like that. Like, yeah, the news capture was real. How could they do that? Oh, The Shining did it, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. She's a, she's a Denver newscaster. Yeah, I, I remember getting getting it wrong last time we talked about it and not doing a retraction. <laughs> but uh, I, I have the actual, let's see. I might have it over here in my notes. Let's see. Um, yeah, it was Bertha Lynn was the Denver anchor at the time. And I think I said it was Adele Arakawa. I was so wrong. Oh, yeah, before her, right? Yeah, yeah. She would not have been the right age to have been in the movie, I don't think. But no. uh, yeah, Bertha Lynn. So <laughs> I'm glad I wrote that down. <laughs> But uh, yeah, just like um, uh, Night of Living Dead, you had uh, Chili Billy Cardill. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was actually well known in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, there he was in the movie as a very believable, very trustworthy uh, newsman. I was, I was reading about him last week and uh, he, uh, he was so popular um, that, uh, you know, that it kept uh, Saturday Night Live off, off of that slot for years. Wow! In the Pittsburgh area, uh, you know the uh, the the big studio had to force them to take Saturday Night Live and and displace uh, Chili Billy. Wow, <laughs> that's great! Yeah, and, and you know, they forced him to be. You know, they they put him into the early hours instead of being late night Saturday. So uh, you know, it, it, he ended up just having the one movie to show and it was at two in the morning. So like no one could stay up that late. Oh, that's way too late. Yeah. Unless, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're an insomniac or someone who's getting home right. from some weird shift. Yeah. The, um, and we have two NBC channels here. So here it would be possible to just compete the two against each other. <laughs> I don't know why that is like, why do we have channel nine and channel 20? It's just, I don't know. It's a it's a weird dimensional split that has happened. Um, yeah. So uh, so this this um, back to the movie though. Uh, 
I don't know that we've ever had another movie where uh, it's basically this guy is going to be doing this sort of this sort of uh, psychic uh, feats of of uh, damage and disaster from a coma in in uh, a hospital bed. It's, yeah, it's so crazy that that's what that's what's happening here, and. Uh, He's thinking about the very end of it. He's considering uh, blowing up the nuclear power plant, mm-hmm. which really speaks to the fears of the seventies. You basically have oh, yeah. those dirty commies yeah. and the nukes. I, I remember that peaking in the mid eighties. It was really terrifying. It was. Yeah. You, you basically were waiting for the bomb to drop at any minute. Yeah. That was, that was mm-hmm. a cool thing. And you got to wonder, was there as much danger as the politicians would have us believe, or were they just trying to control us? <laughs> this, this movie, like, one of the things that fascinated me, um, uh, this is the first thing I'd experienced where it was this level of misanthropy, but he was, it was presented so reasonably. Uh, he's, this, he's this kind of anti-hero who's... Uh, he's he's tearing into the establishment like he goes up against the judges, uh, the police, the church, uh, and his his arguments are also reasonable for what they're doing wrong. You know they're, they're spending you know, in the space program. You know they're spending millions and millions on 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 uh, you know uh, old buildings or or sending some people around the moon um, yeah. when they could be doing so much so much with that money. Um, so that, that was quite, that was quite impressive. Yeah. Social commentary, which, which is um, always good. And I also like the fact that he was a, he was an introvert. He wanted to be left alone and people wouldn't leave him alone. <laughs> and then and at the same time, he had this secret, huge power that he could, uh, he could uh, work his will with, you know, that's, that always speaks to a, you know, a, a kid who yeah. doesn't actually, power he wants to be left alone <laughs> um, yeah did it shock you the uh, the plane crash uh, I like I love the model yeah yeah that was a that was a pretty welcome addition to the movie again uh, it hits an office tower and this predates 9/11 by quite a number of years so for us to see that now yeah, it's like 23 years yeah unfortunately now we know what it really looks like to have mm-hmm. a plane hit a building like that uh so it was it was shocking mostly in the way of like wow that's that's years ahead of an actual event that was disastrous uh yeah the model looked pretty good uh and it added to that disaster movie vibe yeah Apparently they used uh, one of those huge uh, models they have in the uh, display window of travel agencies. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they probably only had one good shot at it, too. <laughs> There's like three plane crashes in this movie. <laughs> they visited, Not more. There are at least two. They visited three travel agencies that had big planes. <laughs> well, we only see the one at the end. But <laughs> near the beginning of the movie, there's a... Uh, a burning building and they say a jumbo jet went down. But that's the, that's the one that they go back to. That's the, 
That's oh, is my, that a flashback? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Naturally, a flashback. Yeah, that. Yeah, that was. That was pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I, I've actually listened to. I think I told you guys I was listening to a bunch of old episodes of of Art Bell. Uh, mm-hmm. whether it was, uh, coast to coast or, uh, dark matter, whichever, whichever show it was he was doing at the time, they're all archived, uh, on a podcast. And one of the things when they were talking about psychic ability and he, you know, he would talk to like people with, you know, re- remote viewing skills like, uh, Ed Dames, people like that. And sometimes they would say that, it doesn't matter the size of the thing you're trying to do. It's the same amount of effort. And I got to think, okay, really to like knock, <laughs> to knock, to knock a pen off the table or, you know, to push a dump truck over. I don't know. I don't, I don't agree that that would take the same amount of thought, power and effort. But oh, uh, there was a, it's something similar in the movie. They say something like uh, a man was able to project an image onto film through a lead plate. And it's like, holy hell, through a lead plate. <laughs> I mean, I could do it the other way. <laughs> you, you could do it without the lead plate. <laughs> yeah. The lead plate. <laughs> yeah, you start bringing lead plates into the equation. <laughs> yeah, and yeah you- anybody can put their thought onto film. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I images on film. I'm pretty. I was pretty sure when I heard him say that that they were talking about Ted Sirios. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. I think they figured out later that that he was uh, he was defrauding everyone with his uh, abilities. uh, That they weren't actual real abilities. That they were just some good trickery. But if you look him up, what what happened was my my folks had. like some boxes of old magazines that I don't know if they got them at a yard sale or what, or maybe they had them since the sixties, but there was a like true magazine or something like that. And they had a story called Ted Sirio's the man with the camera brain. I even remember the name of the article and uh, it was all about how this guy could uh, stick a camera up to his eye and, and mentally project an image onto the film. And then they would develop it, and there, there it would be this, uh, like, they'd have him think of something, and then he would, uh, like, it would be a double-decker bus or the front of a church or something, and it would appear on, on this camera. It was really kind of amazing. And then you find out later that he had, like, a a piece of negative or something he would somehow hold in front of the lens or so they said like a, a, a slide or a negative or something that was cut down really small, but to read the article and not have it debunked yet, it was really like inspiring to like, Oh, maybe all this crazy <laughs> stuff is real. You want to believe that the crazy well, stuff is real. That makes the world a more interesting place. Yes. Uh, unfortunately the world's not a more interesting place. It's, it's maybe an awful place, but it's not interesting in a mysterious way. Uh, you know, best I could tell. There was no lead plate in the, in the, in the article though. 
I think they just okay. They just threw that into the movie. But uh, if you're talking Ted Serios, uh, yeah, no lead plate. Um, in fact, I should. <laughs> while we're talking, I should uh, open a Wikipedia page and see what it says about Ted Serios. <laughs> I've still got my collection of the the unexplained magazine. It's probably in there. Oh, probably. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what it says about Ted. Uh, let's see. I want to see if it says he was, if he was debunked. I don't see where, okay. This is one part that I forgot to mention. Uh, he would hold this little rolled up thing up to his forehead or his eye uh, as the shutter was clicked. And he often needed to be drunk or at least have been drinking. So, <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with it. Of course, that could all, you could always say, oh, I can only do this once or I can only do this so much before I can't take it anymore. You know, the headaches get to be too bad. Uh, let's see. Uh, he exhibits a behavior pathology with many character disorders. He does not abide by the laws and customs of our society. He ignores amenities and has been arrested many times, so on and so forth. And he would ignores amenities. Means he <laughs> takes a whiz against the wall. Social amenities. <laughs> I don't know what they mean by that, but his um, his personality manifests itself in many other ways. He does not exhibit self control and will blubber, wail, and bang his head on the floor when things are not going his way. He was also described as an alcoholic. So, yeah. I think it was a lot of uh, showmanship from a very damaged person and a decent amount of trickery. But, uh, but when it's, when it seemed like it was possibly happening, it was really interesting. He lived to be 88 years old. So <laughs> well, there you go. So the fraudulence. Yeah. The alcohol, you know, can be good for you and banging your head on the floor apparently isn't as bad as you think. So there. Uh, no lead plate is mentioned in this story. But, yeah. It's not believable, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, or maybe it's too believable. Yeah. So anyway, uh, ESP, why did, we, why did we lose our fascination with it? I mean, it was pretty all-consuming for a while there. Yeah, there's just been no good evidence for it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would... Or maybe it's just all been hushed up because the secret psychic search projects of more underground. Yeah. They're not released footage anymore. They don't want us to know about scanners. Right. Yeah. So are you guys familiar with remote viewing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you believe it's possible? No. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not this in the least. It's total bullshit. Okay. <laughs> so you're a little on the fence about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's bound to be a lead plate somewhere along the line between the psychic yeah. where they're trying to look at. Sure. <laughs> and you can't get past those. No. Uh, yeah, I got to wonder, like, not just our government, but uh, 
the Soviets at the time, the, the Russians, when they were the Soviets, they put a lot of time and effort and money into uh, working on this stuff. So I got to wonder, is there nothing to it or is it hit or miss? Is it just fit into the margin of error for guesswork? I don't know. Like, but they, I got to think there might've been something to it if they had that much dedicated to it. But I, I bet they, they hope there was something to it. Well, I guess. Yeah, they, I think it was a mix of, they hope they, there was something to it. And whoever was running that program was, making some money <laughs> yeah i guess if you're if you're keeping your uh your division of your high level government you know contractor industri- military industrialist doesn't mean you're not a scammy con artist yeah <laughs> i guess that's true or if, or if you've, you've created a cushy job for yourself say you're a high-ranking exactly. high-ranking officer you're just like, oh, it's, it's pretty easy. If you were in the CIA, wouldn't you want to run their like mind reading program? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Versus be a lot better than torturing Latin Americans. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was gonna say getting sent to the jungle to like risk getting yourself killed and then you know torturing people, like you said. Uh, yeah, I would rather sit in a room with a bunch of people and say, let's try to use our minds. Hey, playing card. <laughs> right. Let's see if we could go into the. Into the file cabinet at the uh, Kremlin and see if we can <laughs> flip through their papers mentally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not uh, psychically uh, find Bigfoot while we're at it? Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe they did. It's totally possible. Um. So this one, uh, do you feel like this fits comfortably into the horror genre somewhere, Jolien? As far as like genres and subgenres go yeah um i'm not sure where this fits you know is it science fiction because it's like a pseudoscience or uh is it horror because some of the you know there's a uh, horrific things happen and, and there's like echoes of the omen in it yeah um, yeah i'm not i'm not sure where this fit um it doesn't really have enough horrific incident for it to be a full-on horror movie, I don't think. But, you know, it's certainly adjacent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Will, would you recommend this to horror fans? Do you think this is a, uh, you think this is a good go with kind of movie? Like say you were going to talk about movies like the omen and then you could say, this is another one that you should watch. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And uh, overall, do you recommend... It was an enjoyable little film. Yeah, so you do recommend it? Mm-hmm. And Jolien, obviously, you've watched this thing many times, and you enjoy oh, it. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great climax of uh, the film. Uh, yeah, lots of interesting things going on. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was especially uh, speaking to the fears of its time, uh, you know, with the nuclear stuff and uh, airline crashes and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I would I would say um, I I would recommend this as a, as a movie that horror fans should check out because I think a lot of them probably haven't seen it. Um, uh, with all that, uh, do you guys want to talk about some uh, some shut-in uh, recommended viewing? I've got 
I made four different short lists of <laughs> in, di- in different categories. Go for it. Okay. So for people who want to, who want a, um, a movie with, uh, with an isolation feel to it for being shut in during Halloween, I chose 30 days of night, uh, the 1981 John Carpenter's the thing, uh, the shining your next and night of the living dead. So, you know, this is, this is something where you are, uh, in a location and you don't have a whole lot of hope. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of what, uh, what I came up with, what, you know, cause Halloween falls on a Saturday. Uh, the trick or treaters may or not may or may not show up. And if you're just going to run a few movies, there's some to choose from. I thought with a lighter mood, something more fun, uh, evil dead Two, Shaun of the dead, uh, the original fright night, not the remake scream and the craft. These are ones that don't ask a whole lot of you to, uh, you don't you don't have to invest a whole lot into the movie because you've probably already seen it and it's got a very light mood to it. I mean, they're good stories, all of them, uh, as far as something you could follow along and it's it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end and it's got a plot and people are walking around doing stuff. You know, what you want... <laughs> What you want from a movie? It's not just—it's not just atmosphere. Uh, there are some movies that are just atmosphere, like the one you mentioned earlier. But uh, was it was it Jacko or or Ten Thirty One that was? Moving? Oh, no, Jacko doesn't have much atmosphere at all. Oh, was it Ten Thirty One? No, there was I didn't love it. There was something you mentioned that was all about atmosphere, but uh, something for the for the Halloween specific. Um, setting i thought obviously there's the 1978 halloween john carpenter's halloween uh the 2015 tales of halloween which uh you know has that you know that all that set dressing that you want all of the uh, the props and the costumes uh trick or treat from uh 2007 night of the demons from 1988 <laughs> Linnea Quigley again. <laughs> again, Linnea Quigley. And, uh, clothes come off, I'm sure. Uh, Sleepy Hollow from 1999. And uh, for a darker mood, um, I kind of had a crossover on this one, but uh, It Follows, Let the Right One In, The Battery, The Witch, and then I think I, I was going to cross over your next onto this list as far as something being a bit darker. Uh, isolation, I realized after writing these five down that you could also put Hush on that list. Yeah. So, Lighthouse. Yeah, Lighthouse would be another one. That, that is such a crazy movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I came up with. Uh did you guys have anything to add to that? Have you got a list, Will? No, I've not made a list. Well, we'll have uh, we'll have one more recording uh, that'll hit in early uh, early November. So, if I remember last year, we said we're still hanging on to those Halloween feels. So, if you wanted to, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you wanted to add. Sure. 
to that. I think that would be cool. Okay. Okay, we're getting to Noir November. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Will, hopefully you didn't watch up all your Noir before Noir November. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> There's not much left. All right, you want to check out some of the French crime movies. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, we're right out of about an hour, so did you guys... Uh, Who's, whose uh, turn is it to pick, pick a movie? I think it's my turn. Is it? Okay. Well, do you have anything in mind? Not right now. Okay. All well, right. Well, we'll we'll get that. And then uh, I'm going to give you guys fair warning. I think the next time I pick a movie, which will be a week after that, I think I want, st- want us to talk about Fire in the Sky. Okay. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's on the Amazon. So it shouldn't be any trouble. All right. All right. Cool. Well, we're right at an hour. That's where we want to be. Uh, right at or a little over. So uh, by the time uh, we do this again, hopefully we'll have a bunch of mini candy bars at our disposal and uh, <laughs> a lot of disappointed children out in the world. Oh, yeah. Not eating yeah. our candy. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. Well, well that's... all right. And listeners, thank you for listening. Sign off. We'll talk to you later. Awesome. All right. And listeners, thank you for listening, and happy Halloween.